0: what's going on everybody welcome to an impromptu episode of wavelengths i'm back with the soccer crew jacob armand and preston a weird time in the world of european soccer uh 48 hours ago there was talks of this european super league didn't know what to make of it 24 hours ago it was set in stone almost now at about four o'clock here on the east coast It appears that the sky is falling on this. And I want to get everyone's opinion in a minute. I've been thinking about this for 48 hours now. And the best way I could describe this to someone who isn't a sports fan is this is a not so private divorce between your parents. You can say mom or dad is FIFA UEFA. You could say the English Premier League, La Liga, Serie A they're all mom or dad obviously haven't been happy with each other for quite some time. And then one of them goes out and they say, you know what? We're done. We'll split the kids 50, 50. I'm going to go get this really cool new place. And then I'm going to give you a bunch of money and then maybe you'll succeed, but I doubt it. So this puts a lot of teams, a lot of fans of teams in a weird situation and, Preston, I'm just going to give you the floor and let you run with this.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a despicable act by the owners. It's a pure act of greed. Uh, Florentino Perez is just spewing bullshit into the mouths of the media, saying this is to save football. It's clearly not to save football. The only motivation behind it is money. It's been stated already. Yes, UEFA is very corrupt. No, the system we currently have is nowhere near perfect. But it sure as hell is not as bad as this Super League. I mean, again, the only advantage of it from an objective perspective, which I don't even see as an advantage, is is the money. Like, the amount of cash these clubs will be making by playing each other every week. Yes, it's more profitable, but it totally ruins the football system. It totally screws all the other clubs financially, and it isn't popular by the fans, nor the players, nor the managers. So... It's a completely undemocratic, it's a aristocratic move by these wealthy owners and presidents who want what's best for their club and not for the good of football. And I don't understand how anybody could support this. Or if you have a a bone of empathy in your body, I don't understand how you would support this move. And I'm very happy to see it falling through.
2: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. It, I really think that it is completely motivated by greed, and I'm just surprised at how quickly it all went to the ground. Like, I mean, we know fans' voices have power. We hear it, like, oh, if a fans, if the fans stop supporting this, change could come. But it's rare that you see it in practice on the scale that we've seen it today.
0: I, I, I don't, I don't want to cut as- you. I don't want to cut you off. Now you can go. Ahead. But right now. What percentage does this still have to go through? Then we'll go back to Armand's thoughts. One one percent after
1: Maybe. seeing Chelsea after seeing Chelsea drop out and the domino effect that led to one percent.
2: Yeah, one percent, point 0.1%. really, really uh, tiny. Yeah, marginal.
3: Until I see rest of the top six drop out, I'd have to say it's still like ten percent. I can still see it happening just because of the money, but I think it's highly unlikely.
1: I think what's more likely is these owners sell
3: their clubs. Yeah, so the rumor is – We'll get
1: into
3: that later, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that later. But I agree with what you guys were saying. Perez talking about how he's trying to say football is garbage. His club, Real Madrid, is $900 million in debt. Barcelona, I think it's a billion dollars in debt compared to what we heard in this past offseason. They dropped out of the Super League, which says something about how they care for the fans – I think it's a disgrace to football to even consider this. It takes out, I mean, what's the point of playing in the league then, right? We're never gonna see like if the Super League happened, we never see the Ajax runs, the Porto run this year. We'll never see less the scenes like when Leicester City got promoted, wins the Prem the next year. We're never gonna have these type of moments, and the Super League just ruins the whole point of league play because you're not playing for anything. You win, you win the Prem, or you finish top four. You're not gonna, you're not guaranteed a Champions League place anymore or you're not even going to get promoted to the Super League. So there's like it just ruins the whole hierarchy and pyramid of football, like most of the fans were saying.
0: Yeah, it it was an interesting weekend, of course. We recorded a Champions League podcast Saturday. Then I released it on Sunday. I didn't promote it. I didn't think that it was right to give three of the teams that are still in Champions League that would be in the Super League. I didn't think it'd be right to kind of – Promote them using our platform. So I didn't say anything about it, but it's just such a a selfish decision. Now, Preston probably remembers when this first came out on Sunday. I obviously regret what I said, but I was pro Super League from a very selfish point of view because I was like, oh, it'd be so cool to see, you know, Chelsea and Real Madrid play twice a year, blah, blah, blah. But then you really think about it, all these other teams especially in the premier league. We know a bunch of, you know, the bottom 10, a lot of them in lower divisions. We know all of them because like it or not watching them get smacked by these big teams is really fun and they may not like it, but they also like feeding their families. So for them not to have that and now just to be a bad team in the premier league without playing like Manchester city, you know, what's the point? And then a big shout out to Bayern Dortmund PSG they were like, no, we, we care. I want to hold
3: up on PSG. The reason that they didn't join the Super League yeah. is they have ties to Qatar. And if they joined the Super League, then the, um, the World Cup would have been in jeopardy because of um, Yeah, I
1: mean, PSG Qatar. is effectively ran by the Qatar government, which is one of the most authoritarian governments in the world. So I'm very hesitant to give any credit to PSG off pitch. But yeah, I, I don't think they're. If it weren't for the World Cup in Qatar, they 100% would have been in this.
2: I'm not going to lie. I did not know that Qatar essentially ran PSG. That's that's information. To yeah. Me. That
1: and the crazy. United Arab Emirates essentially runs Man City as well. It's uh, Sheik Mansur. He's a bit, like, involved in the government there. And the failed Newcastle takeover was also by, I don't know if you know, Prince MSG or what I, sorry, it's like it's some name like that. Um, but basically, the guy who had Jamal Khashoggi executed was looking to take over Newcastle United Football Club. So it's you could all, you could almost argue that football's already been tainted with things like this. Yes, the Super League is a big step further than that, um, but it's just a perspective to look at on how the game has changed.
0: I'm I'm glad you brought up the Qatar thing because isn't it interesting that? after that whole debacle in FIFA, the obvious uh, pay to play, if you will. And now we almost all as soccer fans feel bad for FIFA because their hands were totally tied in this situation. I feel like they were just completely blindsided by this decision that seemingly was made overnight. And then the only thing they could do was be like, if you play in this, you can't play in the world cup. Well, you know, I well, want yeah. feel mean-
1: bad is the way to describe it. Like, I don't really have pity for them. Certainly, they were in an unfortunate situation. But the way I view this is you have your tyrannical presidential candidate who's not from the establishment, is looking to rise up and create his own thing, and he's backed by all the elitists. And then you have your status quo establishment candidate who nobody likes, but nobody cares enough to rise up against him and change anything. So everything just stays as it is. It's very similar, similar in my opinion, to the twenty twenty U.S. presidential election, um, where neither candidate is really, in my opinion, good for the country. Um, but it's more the lesser of two evils, is how I see it. But the Super League is just a much greater evil than U.S. Yeah, USA.
2: I agree. I mean, I don't there. I don't think there's many people who have dissented from this belief, but. Everyone chanting, like, this is the death of European football. They're not very far off. This would kill This would kill any club that doesn't make it in. Um, like everyone was saying, like we were saying earlier, it would taint the reputation of literally every league from which one of these teams hails.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can't really feel bad for FIFA. You wait, but they're not acting out of the interest of their fans. They're acting because they're going to lose a bunch of money if the Super League exactly. happens. So I don't really feel bad for FIFA at all. I Like Preston says, the lesser two evils, so I do side with FIFA in this instance.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess in a way, congratulations to Wolverhampton for winning the 2018 Premier League now by default. Yeah. So we talked about the potential ramifications of the Champions League. Obviously, I said before, three of the four teams would be in this Super League. And then they were like, we'll just take you out. We'll take your teams that you beat last round. We'll put them in. This, I'm sure we will disagree on. I think that that would be the wrong decision. Yes, you're obviously not pro Super League, but the team still earned to be in this year's Champions League. Next year, do whatever you want. But if you're City, Chelsea, and Madrid, you still earned to be in the 2021 semifinals of the Champions League. So I think if you were to take them out of this year's, I don't think that's right. But I'm curious to see how you guys feel about that
2: yeah so i would agree with you um i think that next year i don't care who wins it i don't care what place they are in their respective leagues they don't get a spot but this year they did nothing to they did nothing wrong so far this year they like you said they earned their way there they beat the teams they played i would keep them in just because they got there legit they earned their spot but next year yes completely i i I know you said do what you want I would personally want them to just completely remove any team. Doesn't matter who the victor is. Doesn't matter if they're top four. They just don't get a spot.
3: Uh, it's a tough situation, but if you're looking at it from UEFA's perspective, then you'd—I ha- mean—you'd have to take a stand against the Super League and remove them. Like that's because the talks of the Super League have been—it was first mentioned, I believe, in two thousand nine. But it didn't really get going, I believe, until 2018, 2019 is when it got mentioned again and it started to pick up steam. From a UEFA perspective, right, like, it's you have to move it, put a stand, like, if any club, you know, tries to break off and do their own thing, that's going to ruin the pyramid of football. You got to punish them. But from, like, a morality standpoint, I agree with Stefan and Jacob that they worked hard to get there and they deserve their spot, at least for this year.
1: Yeah, I think there's no doubt that these teams need to be punished. Um, I don't think that removing them from the Champions League is the right way to go. Um, I think if you are going to go that route, then maybe give them a deadline by which they need to indicate their um, withdrawal from the Super League, um, if you are intending on banning them. But I think reports have said that they're going to continue with it. I think that's the right move. But there's no doubt that these teams need to be punished, um, whether that be stripping the ownership for some of these clubs or – banning them from the Champions League or some other domestic punishment but it's there needs to be consequences
3: so there's already reports that Ed Woodward chairman of United stepped down so I think the glazers might be next in line to sell but yeah yeah but I agree with you like the punishment should be put on the owners and not the players and coaches
1: yeah well one inter- one interesting angle with that I'd like to bring up um, is the potential sale of the clubs I don't know if you guys know about in Germany, they have this 50 plus one rule is what it's called, where 50 points, something percent, basically a majority stake of the club must be owned by public members, like people. So you can't just amass um, a bunch of wealth for a club, just invest like money to the club and pump it up. You got to have the support of the people behind you, Um, which is why what RB Leipzig did was so controversial. So people are saying that in English football, they need this rule um, where the football clubs must be owned 50 plus 1% by uh, the people. Um, So I was just, what are your guys' thoughts on that and the potential forced sale of these clubs by guys like Dan Kroenke, who owns the Rams, or John Henry, who also owns the Red Sox?
3: I mean, as an Arsenal fan, I hate Kroenke with the passion. He doesn't care about uh, soccer at all. I, I think they do need to implicate the 50 plus one rule because a lot of these owners just look at football as a money grab. I think Man United, Manchester United and Arsenal are two clear examples of that. Owners don't put enough money into the clubs to fund transfers. I mean, Arsenal is still paying for Nicolas Pepe. They, they, the fee was $72 million and they're, still, they're paying installments of like 14 to 20 mil a year because Karanke puts all his money into the Rams and his other investments. So I believe if you do a 50 plus one, I think it's going to be, it helps all the clubs be better off and does what's in the fans' interest, which I think will also increase viewership and fandom for the club as well.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's not only that, but I think it's just smart to have the public, the ones who actually truly care for this club the most because they're devoted fans. They come in week in, week out, day in, day out to root for them. I think it makes sense for them to have the majority stake and be able to make these decisions that they feel is in the best health of the club that they're sporting because they're not going to be looking, at, like like Armand just said, they're not going to be looking at it from a how best can we profit. They're going to be looking at it from how can we actually build this team, develop this team, make them contenders in this sport that we love so much.
1: Yeah, think- I'm right there with you guys. I think it's, it's in, just after seeing the power these owners wield i think it's a necessary change because um, what you see with these clubs is they elect the board the people themselves elect the board for the president to run the club and so that, like for example if chelsea oh if they want to keep abramovich in power they'd have the choice to do that um i think if i was a chelsea fan i would just because of how successful he's been um but if you're say like a Tottenham fans, you don't like Daniel Levy. You have the choice as a member of the club to say you don't want him running the club now. And I think it gives power back to the people, which is very necessary after seeing what went on this weekend.
0: So I'm not sure if it's a perfect comparison, but the Green Bay Packers are a publicly owned team and have been for a very long time. So they're run, similarly to these German clubs,
1: Um, I I don't think the way like this, I don't really think fans vote on much. Like the fans are very involved and they have a a big say on the decisions of like they vote more hands-on on on who's in charge in green Bay. You don't see that. Like the way the GM shifts, I think it went from Ted Thompson to or however you say it. Um, That wasn't the decision of the fans. That wasn't the decision of people who own stock in the Packers. Um, so it's not the perfect comparison, but it's the closest thing we have. Um because but that the other difference is the Packers are ran more for profit. Like you see, it was like a, a news story, I think, in twenty nineteen, when they only made or twenty eighteen, when they only made five hundred and sixty thousand dollars in profit for the year. Um, like that, that was a low number. These clubs aren't used to making profit just given the landscape of European football.
0: So for this you would want fan fan type owning the majority of the club. And then, so the half that's owned by, we'll call them the suits. They, so this would, I just want to understand it. So like the cronky for example, he would still own half the, or a little less than half the club, but would he be the main like financial backing or does the yeah. other 50? Okay. So his money still He would have the main in.
1: financial back. Yes. So obviously he'd still have a, a lot of say. Um, it's not all going to be the fans. It's that the fans have more to say because right now a lot of these fans feel helpless in the decisions they. They basically keep the club in check. Is what happens. Um, you've seen in member-owned clubs like Barcelona that hasn't always happened. Um, it's not a perfect system. Like you see, uh, a, a, again, it's not a ton of fan control, but it's a necessary amount. So that things like this don't happen again.
0: Um but yeah,
1: most of the financial backing comes from the owners.
0: I do think it's an interesting concept that now with this possible breakaway and then what will come of it, I think it's something that they'll definitely consider. And while we're on the topic of Stan Kroenke, him Being a part of this Super League shouldn't surprise anybody. You obviously saw what he did with the then St. Louis Rams, forcing his way out of there to go back to Los Angeles. So him being a part of the first 12, if you were surprised by this, I don't know what to tell you because this is something that he's done for years. And he bought the land to build the Rams new LA stadium before he even was allowed to move the team. So him doing something and being excessively proactive isn't really a surprise to i would think many it did not surprise me at all that he wanted to be a part of this bigger better and then we talked about the american influence too do teams in the premier league liverpool manchester united arsenal does having american owners who also have interest in American sports, NFL, NBA, obviously, or MLB, NFL, sorry. Does that have any say in them trying to break away, or is that just an unfortunate coincidence?
2: I think it might more be an unfortunate coincidence. I don't think necessarily that them being American owners um, is a fueling factor in their breaking away. I really think the main fueling factor is just the money to be had um i don't really think um it's solely like american owners i think partially it's like since they're not in the countries american owners have less of a care about like the importance of football to like britain for example um with like premier league so
3: i think that's probably one of the fueling factors but if anyone wants like yeah i'd agree with jacob as well no, I agree with you. I'd agree with you. I think it's an unfortunate coincidence because all the other nine teams don't have American owners and they still joined. So I I just think it's an unfortunate coincidence that the American owner, American kind of stereotype with owners, got caught up in that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can blame it entirely on like Americans. Like, say this is your fault. Like, this is your culture that you're out, Like, your people are trying to put on us. Um, I mean, look at Perez was the big ringleader behind this. I think certainly the idea it's more like the the global capitalist like mentality, which I think America embodies um, in our culture here. So I think that's a lot a big reason why the blame has been shifted towards like these American owners. But I don't think you can just say, Oh, they're American. That's the reason why this whole shit show is going on.
0: Yeah, it's I think it's unfortunate, but like I said, with Kroenke especially, him wanting to be a part of this shouldn't have surprised anybody. So then now we're talking about money in America. Weirdly enough, today a development came out and Jeff Bezos was sort of involved. I don't know if you guys saw this tweet, but Amazon Prime Sports put out this video and said that while we disagree with this, blah, 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 we'll still carry the Premier League in Europe and Serie A in Italy. I just thought it was very interesting that obviously TV rights was a big talking point with this league because who wouldn't want this huge permanent champions league on their network. I thought that it was really weird that Amazon would put out this statement before TV rights were even discussed before this league was even confirmed. So was this a weird wrinkle in this development for anybody else?
3: I mean, I find it a bit odd. I think maybe Bezos has some information we don't have yet, maybe. But obviously with, like, Chelsea, Barcelona, Atletico, and City leaving, I, I think – I don't know. I don't think it holds much substance.
1: I mean, look, it's no secret that the rich run the world. Um, like, Bezos is not exactly the most scrupulous person out there. Um, so, again, it's pr- – I don't think there's much to like look into it, given that I don't think the Super League will like go through. Um, But again, Amazon is no less greedier than the Super League. Bezos is no less greedier himself.
0: Jacob Lucas, any other correlations, or am I just trying to make something out of nothing? I mean. I really just think it's greed. Greed fuels so many
2: activities. I really just think it's like Bezos saying, yes, give me your money. I mean, I'm not like trying to get political, like the whole Amazon union thing is a pretty good reflection of like the fact that Bezos is like very money hungry. Um, so I think that it's really just an example of greed and doesn't necessarily carry any other
0: indicating factors. if nobody else is willing, I will play devil's advocate for this. Is there a, w- a way that this helps soccer on a worldwide scale? Or am I the only one that could uh, even rationalize why it'd be a positive?
3: I mean, I think maybe in America, it'd be. No, like most, most Americans know the big teams. They know the Madrids. They know the Barca's. They know the Ronaldo's. They know the Messi's. They don't know, like, I mean, like, I watched, I'm more of, like, a big Prem guy. I know, like the ins and outs of most teams, but most American casual soccer fans don't. So, if you're putting up Madrid versus Bayern twice a year, guaranteed, that's gonna attract a lot of American casual soccer viewers to the to these games. So I I, I mean, see I see where you're coming from, Stefan.
1: Yeah, it has a point to an extent, but when you think how Americans reacted when we had four straight Cavs Warriors NBA finals. It was like, oh, another one of these. Like, people kind of lost interest. When you have a lack of parity in sports, people get bored very easily. They don't want to see, like, as much as they want to see the big teams play each other, that's what makes the Champions League so special. Worldwide, not just in America, is that it's, in, it's new teams playing new teams every year. Yes, you have the same regular faces, but the, the whole, it's a new bracket every year. Um, So when you have this, it just takes the, the specialness away from these big matchups. Um, so I think it can even hurt the game in the long run because when, when the top, top talent can't attract the viewership anymore because it's become old, um, then at that point, there's nothing else to turn to.
0: And to Armand's point, for super casual fans that say only, no, you know, Barca and Bayern, you hear this and it's like, oh, it's so cool. You know, we're getting two of the best teams in the world every single year. It's going to be awesome. And then you explain to them that this tournament exists. It's called the UEFA Champions League. And this goes on every year. And now there's going to be more teams in it and more coverage and teams that you didn't know. So it already existed. The fact that it would pull away from their own league and then kind of hurt them so they can gain a quick payday, I think is just a perfect example why people would want this, but then you really think of it and you, you crunch the numbers and it's just, it's just does more foul than help. So I think that even if you wanted to rationalize it and make it seem cool, you really can't because in the end you're going to hurt way more people than viewership could ever gain you yeah I mean it's I agree really yeah, yeah. I,
1: I, I could only see but. like soccer is already the biggest sport in the world so there's not really an incentive to grow it by adding the Super League like the only way I could see it growing is in like hyper capitalist countries like China and the USA where they're so focused around the economy and making money um, so it I, I, I can only see it growing in certain areas of the world, but as a whole, it, it would be terrible for the growth of this game.
3: Yeah, I mean, for like American Fans, you don't understand why it was such a big deal for soccer. I'll put it in, so, imagine March Madness with only like the top, the best of the best teams. So, like Kentucky, Michigan, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Oregon, and they're, they break off and play in their own league. You're losing, you're losing those Cinderella runs, those upsets that you love every year, and that's kind of what the Champions League is like. Gives these lesser-noticed teams a chance to shock the world and beat, beat the elite of the elite.
0: Yeah, and Armand, I don't even know if you meant to do it, but to your point, they already have that. They have the Champions Classic in the beginning of every college basketball season. It's Kansas, Michigan State, Duke, and Kentucky. And they play each other and then they crown a champions classic and then you know what they might play each other again in march madness for the real title so yeah just losing that in not having a champions league but and then the other thing i don't think people understand that in european soccer there isn't playoffs like champions league is the closest that you really get to a playoff format and then real madrid can beat bayern twice but then there's no like revenge in the playoffs there's no final series just once they're done with their two games and they play all the other teams that's it and then the season's over so i don't think from people that don't really understand the fabric of it i think that's what isn't grasping for them and it's not their fault because it's obviously a lot different than the way we play sports here but it's just like i said it hurts way more people than a couple of viewers that they would gain because they see big soccer teams and they want to watch that.
1: Yeah, I mean, for my closing thoughts, all I got to say is Goodridden Super League. Um, I, I think this just was a ploy by the owners. Um, it may have backfired on them. It looks like it has. I hope it does. Um, but I also got to say I'm very proud of the football community and how we came together these past two days and yeah
0: yeah this is something that i think hurts the image of a lot of these teams for a long time and i know you guys got to go so i appreciate you doing this with me i'll actually be back in a few short hours with a regular wavelengths and until then everybody stay safe thanks for listening thank you guys and no super league